I just want to welcome you um, this morning uh, to the house, and if you're online with us, I want to welcome you too. And uh, we've been we've been just waiting to celebrate together as as believers. And and it brought, you know, when I was thinking about this, it brought to mind the the crowds as Jesus entered into into the into the city into Jerusalem in Matthew twenty one nine. It said, "And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna." To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, who comes at Hosanna in the highest. And Hosanna is a Greek word that means save, we pray, or we pray to be saved, or save now, please save. And it's interesting that, that then and now, there's still something in people that recognize we, we, need, uh, we need a Savior. You know, we, 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 need, we need rescue, and, and God has always had the heart of a rescuer. And this is a series that we've been doing leading up to Resurrection Sunday, to Easter is, the, is, res, is rescue. And, and speaking of series, I'm really excited, actually. I'm excited about baptism next week. I think we have like 18 to 20 people already signed up. So if you're here and, and you're thinking, I've, I've, I've not done that, you're not going to be alone, man. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's one of the high, it's so much fun to do that, to watch people do that. But then we're starting a series next week entitled um, Heroes, and it's going to be about different people in the Bible, different flawed and failed people that God still rescues and uses, and, and, and I'm excited about that. But before I start this morning, we're going to share a video with you. I was bound in shame and guilt. I was bound by dependence. I was burdened by an unknown disease. I was hoaxed into witchcraft as a child. My body was broken from Hashimoto's for over a decade. I was scarred by years of child sexual abuse. I was broken by divorce. I was bound by addiction. I struggled with sexual brokenness. I was lied to by the enemy at a young age. Depression, anxiety, and self-harm controlled my life. I was bound in drug and alcohol addiction. I was experiencing depression. I was riddled with anger. Abuse, depression, anxiety hit me at a young age and I thought it was normal. I was rejected and abandoned by my ex-husband. I was trying to medicate a hopeless heart. I was crippled with anxiety. It left me miserable and broken. Full of anger and shame. I felt so helpless, I was to the point of suicide. I felt like I lost my identity. I thought I'd never be able to escape. I drowned myself in drugs and alcohol and anger. Fear had taken over and almost won. I was suicidal. I was sad, hurt, and volatile. I felt alone and terrified as a single mom. I thought that's how I was gonna live forever. Jesus came and he lifted shame and guilt off my soul. God showed me true freedom and my identity in him. He took my shame and he healed my soul. And he set me free. I just felt like this heavy weight come off my shoulders. He healed me, he freed me, he delivered me, he rescued me. 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 What a great testimony. 
Uh, can you just bow your head and heart with me as, we, as I pray? Jesus, I just thank you this morning uh, for the hope that you bring. I thank you this morning for the grace that you bring. I thank you that as we come together this morning and gather together, that God, you, uh, you just want to impart uh, everything that you want heaven to come to earth. I pray that you help me to, to, to teach, to preach, uh, to communicate in a way that we can receive and help us to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Father, I thank you this morning that uh, you are present, you are real, you're holy, and you love us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So from the time that sin was introduced into uh, the garden, there, were, the, there was this need for restoration and wholeness to be restored and, and a need for, for rescue. And so many times that man laments uh, the, uh, what was lost in the garden and thinks of the beauty of creation, amen? But what was lost in the garden was the first relationship that God desired to have with man. See, the garden was never the goal. The garden was never the goal. It was a relationship with God that was the goal. And we have, we, we have to capture that. And then sin came between God and, and man, and, and sin came between man and man. I mean, sin was this illegal operating system. I mean, it's hard sometimes to explain, you know, well, why didn't God just overlook sin? Well, because God is a just God, and if he overlooks sin, then he wouldn't be a just God anymore because there's something about justice. And then, but there's also this amazing measure of grace and mercy that God had. And so there was a rescue plan that was in, in, enacted. And we see the theme of rescue throughout the whole Bible. We see Joseph rescued from the pit, from the prison, and then promoted in the palace. We see Moses himself rescued from waters as a baby. His, his name actually means to pull out, to draw out. And then we see God using his life to save Israel from bondage. We see Israel entering into the promised land and that Rahab, the harlot, then saved the lives of two men and God rescued her whole family. We see a young girl named Esther for such a time as this that actually was rescued by God and then used by God to, to rescue uh, his people. We see in the Old Testament, we see in the Old Testament the account of a man called Daniel that was thrown into the lion's den and came out alive and then King Darius basically made this statement in Daniel 6 27 of the Lord he delivers and rescues somebody say rescue and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on the earth and it's kind of amazing to me because sometimes we can kind of walk through the trappings of Christianity and we can become familiar with even the signs and wonders that God wants to do on our midst on a consistent basis but that's who God is that's who the heart of God is to, to, to move. So there's this thread throughout society and throughout history of rescue. Man's culture and society have a thread of rescue stories. And, and there's something in us because we've been created in the image of God that, that this responds to, to rescue. We respond to people in need because that's the heart of God. And so, you know, one of the things that I did was I, you know, I usually try to research stuff, and I just thought, I'm going to Google rescue. And I Googled rescue, and it's kind of interesting because there's like to have the, the top 10 rescues in history, and then the top five rescues in history. And so you, you're kind of watching all of this stuff, and you're going, 
you know, what we've done is we've, we've actually, we commemorate, we memorialize, we, we remember, we, we do all these things about rescues because there's something in us that responds to rescue, amen? And there's glorious rescues. I, ha- I had a rescue, personally I was involved with, uh, I thought it was pretty cool, but it wasn't real glorious. About a year ago, Robbie and I were walking in our neighborhood, and it was in the afternoon, and you know, kind of, I mean, you know, dark's coming a little bit. And, you know, when, you, when you're up in, up in our neck of the woods, so to speak, you never know what you're going to run into, right? So we're walking, and we come out of our driveway, we're walking down the road, and I see this pig basically running towards me. And I'm like, Robbie, there's a pig running towards us. And it's a little pig. It's like, I mean, it's not like a little, little pig, but it's a short pig. It's a short, wide, fat pig. And I'm gone, I'm going like, oh, that is like a, that's somebody's pet pig. That's not like a regular bacon pig, right? That's a, that's a pet pig. That's like a pot belly pig, you know? And I'm like, and then suddenly something in me went like, man, that pig, that pig got out. Somebody owns that pig. It's probably a pig they really care about. And it's really, you know, whatever. But I realized if that pig doesn't get back to its owner, it's probably going to get eaten by a predator, right? So I call up somebody in our church that's, um, she's really good at, um, at pigs, pig stuff, you know, because they, they kind of do that stuff, you know? So I called her up and I said, what am I going to do with this pig? And she said, well, whatever you do with the pig, don't try to tie a rope around its neck. I'm like, okay, tuck that away. I had no idea. Yeah, she said, you'll have a rodeo on your hands. I was like, okay, self, note to self, don't tie. So anyway, I'm trying to get this pig you know, I'm like, well, how do I get this pig in my yard, in my fenced yard, so I can find somebody? And she goes, she goes, well, you can just pick him up. I'm like, I ain't going to pick up that pig. No way am I picking up a pig. How am I going to get this pig? So Robbie and I jump on the four-wheeler, because I'm not going to pick up a pig. And we get on the four-wheeler, and we're driving around the neighborhood, asking people, hey, is this your pig? And this pig is actually running behind us, squealing the whole way, right? And we're like, this, you can't make this stuff up, y'all. And so one of the neighbors said, I think it might belong to that, you know, that young couple on the corner over there. And so we decided, okay, we're going to drive up. So, you know, we four-wheel over there, pigs squealing and following us in the driveway, and they're not home. So now it's like really awkward because, you know, like this is North Idaho. Like, do I drive down that driveway? But I did it. And then I saw in a back pen that there was actually two other pigs that looked exactly like the pig that was following me. So like, this has to be their pig. And then I saw a hole in the fence and I'm like, okay, I could not get that pig to get into that hole. And I'm like, I'm going to have to pick this pig up. So I reached down there and I picked the pig up, you know, like a good rescuer would. And I basically threw it over the fence and it was all good, right? So I I just felt good, you know, hey, I I rescued something, you know, I mean, it was a pig, but I, I participated, right? So what, what's happened is, is if, we, if we're honest, we have movies, we've got, we've got shows, we've got, we, we've got songs that are all centered around the theme of rescuers. First responders, they, they train for rescue. People give up their life. They put their life you know, at risk for the sake of rescue. And the greatest rescue, and the greatest rescuer is Jesus. In Galatians 1, verse 3 through 4, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins 
so that He might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So, honestly, I think that we may agree that we all need to be rescued from the present evil age. How many of you would say amen to that? But I want you to remember the the meaning of the word Hosanna that they were crying out. And the meaning was, save us. Because in verse 4, of that passage we just read, it speaks of that rescue also involving us in a personal way, our sins. What a beautiful way that Pastor Stephen put it, that basically our contribution to the whole reason that we are celebrating today was our sin. That's what we brought to the table. And that's really moving. It's really deep. The Bible says that for all have sinned and and fall short of the glory of God. Sin simplistically is a relationship killer. If you think about it, not only it's like this illegal operating system that was imposed on the earth that just affected everything, but if you think about sin um, changing the relationship between God and man, think about how much we have been hurt, how much sin has actually killed relationships on this level you know you've either been touched by it or you've touched somebody else by it and 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 it's like dr Uh, mark moore writes this pastor mark moore he says we all have this brokenness that we can't shake or justify its effects are justified in the locker room made legend in the movies and prosecuted in the courts of law from personal offenses to systemic evils Sin has stained the fabric and the fiber of humanity. One of the most beautiful introductions ever recorded in the Bible was from John the Baptist. I mean, I don't know if you've, you know, we we work in introductions, you know, hey, I want to introduce you to my wife, I want to introduce you to my friend, I want to introduce you. What he said in John 1.29 was, the next day Jesus come, Jesus coming to him, He saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not just the sin of people who've got it figured out. The sin of the world. I mean, the Bible says that God, while we were yet sinners, that Jesus died for us. There's something in the heart and the grace of God that we don't comprehend. And sometimes even, you know, as believers, maybe we've walked with the Lord for so long, we just take it for granted. we become so familiar. But every person that rescues has some tools that they use. EMTs. I've got a neighbor that's a firefighter, you know, and, and an EMT. And I mean, he's just loaded with tools. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes the tools are the coolest part, right? I mean, how many of you guys like tools? Come on, right? Tools. And, 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 and if you think about this, there, there, are, there are firefighters, there's doctors, there's, there's surgeons, there's police officers, and they all have tools. They all have things that they use that can be used in a, in a, in a rescue situation. So I want to unpack this morning really quick uh, three things that Jesus used and gave us as a rescuer. First of all, He gave us His life. Second of all, He gave us the cross. And third of all, the resurrection. When we, when we consider his life, his life was sinless. It was perfect. 
He gave his life willingly for you and I. In 1 Peter 2.22, this blows me away. It said, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And I'm like, you know how impossible that's, that would, I mean, we, we, we can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, it's crazy when we look at this. And then we see 2 Corinthians 5.21 speaking of, it says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Once again, our contribution was our sin. And it was the grace and the love of God that said, they need rescue. I'm going to make a way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. And no one comes to the Father but through me, but I'm going to make a way. And this is how I'm going to do it. And this is why we, we celebrate. We look at the cross. Not only Jesus' life, but we look at the cross. We remembered and celebrated the cross on Good Friday. Amazing. First Peter 2.24 says, And he bore, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. And I want to focus this morning and unpack on the resurrection, on the rescue of the resurrection. I want to just take more time because that's what we're celebrating. We remembered the cross on Friday. We want to talk about the resurrection this morning for just a few minutes. Um, Lee, Lee Strobel put it like this. He said, now, now once again, you have to realize that the Bible talks about that after Jesus rose, that he was on the earth for 40 days. And in that 40 days, he actually, there was over 500 people that interacted, that were witnesses, okay? That were witnesses. And so the context of that, Listerbell writes in this um, Case for Christ, he says, if we were holding a trial to determine the facts concerning the resurrection, and if we were called to the witness stand every witness who personally encountered the resurrected Jesus, and we cross-examined them for only 15 minutes, and if we went around the clock without a break, we would be listening to first-hand testimony for more than 128 hours. That is over five days worth of testimony. Who could possibly walk away unconvinced? Think about like, you know, the law officers or, or judges or lawyers or something that maybe we even have in our congregation. And, you know, if you're, you're trying a case and you have 500 witnesses, you know, it's like slam. I, I mean, it's a, it's a slam dunk, right? Now, this is interesting because the stories are there. They're too close. The written history is too strong to deny what they saw, what they experienced. One psychologist said this. He said, he said uh, over 500 people having the same hallucination would be more of a miracle than the resurrection itself. That's amazing. There was an article where Charles Spurgeon had come to the conclusion, and for those of you that don't know who Charles Spurgeon was, he was called the Prince of Preachers, just a great, great man of God. But he'd come to the conclusion that the resurrection part of the gospel message wasn't being preached. They were preaching the cross, but they weren't preaching the resurrection enough, and he got convicted of that, and he made an emphasis on that. And the number of people in his ministry coming to Christ was phenomenal. Someone counted in his sermons... How many times he actually preached or used the word resurrection and they found it was over 7,200 times. 
Because the resurrection is so significant. It changed everything. Without the resurrection, Jesus would have been another leader who maybe did some miracles and had some great teachings. But it was way more than that. It was the rescue of the resurrection. And it's so significant. It changed everything. It took a a man uh, named Peter who was a rough fisherman and basically it turned uh, him from a coward into a bold preacher and a leader. It it, it took uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, from being a critic to actually a leader in the church in Jerusalem. It took Thomas, doubting Thomas, from being, you know, a, 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 you know, insecurity and doubt into being a world-class worshiper and a world-class church planter. Church history shows that Thomas, you know, Jesus told the, the disciples to remain in Jerusalem and, and that Thomas was actually one of the first that left. And they Church history shows that Thomas actually planted more churches than all of the other disciples together. From going for a, I'll see you when I believe it, baby. You know, and so the resurrection changed everything. It changed Paul from the persecutor of the church to the promoter and planter of churches. The early church exploded with growth within 50 days of the resurrection. The cross, think about the cross. Pastor Joel brought a, a, a great word on, on Friday night. The cross in the culture, it was illegal for a Roman citizen to be crucified on the cross. And the cross was such a shameful manner of death that you didn't even talk about it in public. And now what do we do? We wear it. It became the centerpiece of this movement. That's how significant the resurrection was. And how about communion? You know, remember that time in the Bible where Jesus was talking to his followers and said, you know, you need to eat in my flesh and drink of my blood. And they were like, whoa, I can't handle the cannibalism stuff. I'm out of here. Said many left him that day. And now we celebrate communion as one of the sacraments of the church because we understand the spiritual significance of what he was saying. It changed it. Baptism became circumcision. It replaced it. I mean, think about this. Think about, uh, think about these, this, this group of just um, ardent and, and committed uh, Jewish people who had for 2,000 years or for 1,500 years before they had been celebrating and honoring the Sabbath on a Saturday. After the resurrection, they started worshiping on Sunday. You just don't change like that unless there's a significant thing. Amen. The significance of resurrection can't be overstated. See, Jesus told us by His words regarding the resurrection. In John eleven twenty five. then Jesus said to her, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. The resurrection is a person. It's embodied in Jesus and, and when we consider this, Jesus told us also by his actions. Because he said, it's not just words, but it's also, I'm going to prove it to you by what I do. Not just by what I say, but what I do. That understanding was a thread throughout his actions. Let's look at Luke chapter 7. I love this. In verse 11, y'all with me? Okay. 
It says, soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Somebody say, large crowd. Large crowd. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man, listen, a dead man, y'all, was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. There's a lot of people around him. And then the Lord saw her, and he felt compassion for her, and he said to her, do not weep. Now, I'm telling you what, this is a funeral process that's going on. And Jesus walks up and says, hey, hey, wait a minute, don't weep. Okay? And he came up and he, he, he touched the coffin. That's all he did. Didn't say that he laid hands on him. It was like, knock, knock, who's there? And... Then the the story records that he said, young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all. And they began glorifying God. I, I don't understand why fear gripped them all unless it was like, oh my word, this is whatever he's been saying. It's actually, it's true. You find that when Jesus and death intersect, Jesus wins. That's resurrection. And, and it said, and they began glorifying God. Now, I would too. They, they said, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. Can you imagine the scene? Because a lot of times we don't get the color in the story. We just kind of read through it. Oh, that's really cool. There was a funeral. Jesus went up, put his hand on the coffin, said, get up. He gets up and starts talking. Can you imagine being in that crowd? That would be absolutely crazy. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, it it basically, um, it doesn't tell us what the dead man began to speak. But I'm like, what would you say if you were dead and then you were alive? I'm like, ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. I mean, I'd be just like doing the hallelujah hoop. You know what I'm saying? It's like, can you imagine that? That scene where Jesus is actually demonstrating resurrection. This is resurrection. This is the significance. And just as Jesus gave gave him back to his mother, a life-changing encounter with Jesus will give you back the eternal destiny that God has always desired for you. You know, the response of this resurrected life, the people, was that God has visited his people. They understood it. And, and, And Jesus continued to model resurrection by his actions. He continued to model resurrection. This is crazy because sometimes we don't, we don't put everything together. But in John 11, 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. And so, you know, I love this story because it demonstrates once again the resurrection power that was actually inherent in Jesus. And what had happened, just, just to kind of bring you up to, up to speed, is that uh, Lazarus had been sick. And then uh, Mary and, and Martha were like, I mean, because Lazarus was like, Jesus had stayed at Lazarus' house. This was like a friend of the family. And they said, hey, 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 uh, uh, um, your friend, they actually called him, your friend is sick. Lazarus, your friend, your friend, remember, your friend, he's your friend, Jesus. 
he's sick. He's your friend and he's sick. And they knew because they had seen everything that that Jesus had done. So they had great hope. They were like, yeah, all right, we'll just call Jesus, man. We're going to call Dr. Jesus. He's going to show up on the scene and he's going to heal him and we'll have our brother. Well, Jesus delayed. They were actually a little put off by him because then the word came that he died. And so then Jesus shows up on the scene. He's coming anyway. Now, the, the Bible records that Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. In the Hebrew understanding, the soul of a person would basically kind of hang out for three days, but after four days, they were too far gone. And so they're, they're basically saying, hey, Jesus, you're about ready to bust a move here, but uh, he's been in the grave for four days. It's been a hundred degrees out. We roll back that, 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 that stone there on that tomb, and I'm telling you what, it ain't going to smell good. What they were saying, he's too far gone. Listen, the, the lesson that I get from this is that there's no one that's too far gone for Jesus. And sometimes we look at people and we go, oh, they're just too far gone. Let's let, that's not the heart of Jesus that I know. And sometimes we even look at ourselves and we say, we're just too far gone. I'm telling you what, you are not too far for Jesus to touch you and to bring life into you. There's a song as I was considering the series that, we, that we've done and rescued today that the author of the song uh, wrote this from God's perspective. And it just, it just shows the heart of God towards people so, so beautifully. That I that I ask our I ask our team if they would sing it.
Take the dead things in your life, bring life to you, roll away the stones and obstacles that seem insurmountable. You can roll away the, the stone of anxiety, of depression, of addiction, of shame. You can roll away the stones. The enemy is so good about just bringing stones into our life that impede the life that Jesus wants us to to walk in. Enemy will bring the stone of offense, the stone of disappointments, stone of church hurts, the stones of letting people, you know, just, uh, you know, who have, who have just impacted your life in such a tragic way. But he rescued us by giving his life. He rescued us by the work of the cross. He rescued us by the power of the resurrection. So, what are we being rescued from? We're being rescued from sin. The sin that disfigures. I mean, this really kind of spoke to me because on the cross, when Jesus took on the sin of the world, the weight of the world, and He, he walked through what, what happened to Him, He was not recognizable. And I'm telling you, our sin makes us unrecognizable, but God looks through that sin and He sees who has created you to be. He sees every dream. He sees every hope. He sees every purpose. He sees everything that, that He created for you. And Jeremiah says that before you were formed in your mother's womb, that, 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 that I knew you. It says in the Psalms that if the very thoughts that God has towards us could be counted, they would be greater than the sand of the seas. If you knew every thought that God had towards you, there'd be never another moment of insecurity or fear in your life. This is the Jesus that is saying, come, all you are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Cast your cares on him, the Bible says, because he cares for you. We're being rescued from the sin that leads to death. 
in Romans 6 23 it says for the wages of sin is death but the gift the free gift of God is the eternal life in, in Christ Jesus our Lord and so when I think about the things that we're rescued from I think about that we're rescued from our anger we're rescued from lust we're rescued from fear we're rescued from anxiety we're rescued from shame we're rescued from from the sin the Bible says that so easily entangles we're rescued from things that we've perpetrated and we're rescued from the shame of being someone that was a victim of that come on a lot of times we try to measure we try to measure well their sins greater than mine listen it's all sin it all separates it's all something that keeps us from the heart of God that he wants and Jesus said this he said you could not do anything of your own so I did it for you our contribution was our sin I love that it's gonna stay with me forever Jesus rescued us from addiction he rescued us from alcoholism. He rescued us from insecurity, from selfishness. He rescued us from our pride. He rescued us from our past. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. If anyone is in Christ, he's, it, 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 the Spirit of the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And what happens so many times is the enemy wants to come back and put some of that old junk on us. And Jesus said, no, I freed you because I nailed all of that stuff to the cross. It's to the cross. Jesus made a way that we couldn't do for ourselves to get back to that place in God. He said, I come that you would have life and you would have it abundantly. And today, if we believe we've been given life and eternal destiny listen listen let me let me just say this today if you don't believe I, I have an I want to give you an opportunity just open your heart and respond to the invitation that Jesus gave to imperfect people sinful people or 2,000 years ago I mean these guys were like rough man they were rough fishermen they were rough loggers they were rough tax collectors they were zealots and he said something that was so simple he said follow me follow me you follow me and I'm gonna make something of your life I I want to give you a chance this morning there is a beautiful picture in scripture where in revelation where, where jesus says behold i stand at the door and knock and if any man listens and opens the door i will come in i'm gonna come in and the beautiful picture is that the heart that we each have and there is a handle but the only handles on the inside and you may be here this morning and you may feel like and i don't know about this jesus um I feel something different. I, I, I see something different in people. And let me tell you that, that's the invitation of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus saying, come, come, open the door of your heart, I'm, I'm knocking. And when you open the door of your heart, there is a beautiful journey that begins. You don't understand it all from the beginning, but now you're on a journey. 
you're on a journey and you're not, listen, can I just say this to somebody? You're not alone anymore. You're not alone. You're not by yourself anymore. There's something about this. It's the reason that we're gathering. It's the reason that thousands and thousands and, uh, of churches across our nation are, are gathering together today to celebrate. And you might be like, oh, I'm just kind of walking through this liturgical religious thing that I need. This is an opportunity for you to say simply, I feel the Lord knocking on my heart. And I want to take the opportunity to open it. So would you bow your head and your hearts with me just for a moment this morning? And I also want to, I just kind of want to add something here. I, I felt this in the previous service, but the word reset just kind of dropped into my spirit. I feel like there might be people here that, okay, maybe you've given your life to the Lord, but man, I need a reset in my life. I need to reset some things in my life. So first of all, I want to just ask, if you're here this morning and you've never made that profession of faith to walk with Him, to invite Him in, to follow Him, to become a believer, I want to give you the opportunity. And I want to agree with you in that. It's really important that we, we, don't, we don't do this. It's not this personal relationship. It's like it's in community. Jesus said this. He said, in the mouth of two or three, let everything be established. There's something about professing your Jesus before man and he professes us before the Father that we see community in it. So nobody's looking around but me right now. What I want to give you an opportunity, if you've never given your life to this Jesus, but you're saying, Pastor, I want to agree with you. I want to do that today. I want you to just simply slip your hand up. Just make sure I can see you. I want to agree with you. Today you're saying, I want to give my life to this Jesus. Thank you, sir. Anybody else this morning? Today's my day. I I feel the Lord knocking on the door of my heart, and I want to open my heart, and I want to ask Him to come in, and I'm professing and confessing Lord and Savior. Now, if you're here this morning, let's stay in this place. You're here this morning, you're saying, I just just need a reset. I just believe this. I believe that there's been times in my life where I've had to just, I've taken the step to believe, but then I've realized, man, I've just kind of, I've wavered off course. I've just kind of been walking in a way that's that's not what I've called to be, but I need a reset. And if that's you this morning, I just just wave at me. Just say, hey, let's reset some things together. Just, yes, 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 hands. Thank you. We just need to reset some things together. God, thank you for a reset moment this morning. Thank you for our salvation. Can we put our hands together and give the Lord a praise? 